0: Sure as God made green apples someday the Chicago Cubs are gonna be in the World Series. And maybe sooner than we think. Is he alive? This is gonna be
1: What's going on, Cubs fans? You are listening to Lockdown Cubs, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I am your host, Sean Sears, and joining me today are two very talented writers and friends of mine, Ryan Davis and Jared Willis. Guys, thanks for taking time to be on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, of course. Of course, you guys know who Ryan is, of course, co-host of the show. And then, Jared, I know you've been on the show a couple times as well, so no strangers to the show. So excited to do this. This is episode 151 of Lockdown Cubs. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about some defense. It's Javier Baez, alongside Jason Hayward and Anthony Rizzo. Were both, nom- or All three of them are nominated for gold cool gloves. Well, Wilson Contreras was snubbed. I put that in quotes. I'm doing really good radio right now. But uh, Yadier Molina has made the list. So look away, Cardinals fans, because it sounds like Ryan has some takes. Um, just kidding. Uh, later, we, <laughs> we discuss the, the big news drop from Bruce Levine on uh, the score, talking about uh, Bryce Harper and the Cubs apparently being inevitable. Uh, keep whispering sweet nothings to my ears, Bruce Levine. I love that, Um, but we'll talk about that. And then finally we'll wrap the show kind of pointing out each one of us will point out one random out of left field, uh free agent. We think the Cubs could pick up, maybe not random, but under the radar. So, but let's kind of got dive into the gold gloves here. So for those of you guys who did not hear both, you know, all three of Baez Rizzo and Hayward were nominated for gold gloves today. Um, Not necessarily surprising, Um Wilson Contreras has left off that list, kind of, you know, a br- solid defensive catcher but had issues framing. There's kind of a bunch of talk on Twitter. Uh, what are your guys' takes on these 3 Gold glove guys? I'll start with you, Jared.
0: Well, I think um, the Contreras one is interesting because he definitely has a very strong skill set on defense, but at the same time there are some legitimate questions like his framing ability. I think that's been something that's that's been pointed out um for a while now so is that enough to to take him out of the equation though um i'm not sure because he's he's so athletic and so good and has such a great arm in in, in other ways um but I, I think i mean the gold glove award in general i think we could debate just the merits of how that's decided in the first place but um otherwise though i think all very solid choices i mean Baez is like a no brainer um i saw a few people on twitter today that pointed out the absence of kyle hendricks from the pitchers consideration um which you know maybe is a miss on gold gloves part and then i did see also and this might be a little bit of hot take territory but um <laughs> kyle Shriver, some some are saying that he he was snubbed um and they're citing the fact that he had the highest UZR 150 in baseball for outfielders. Um, and there's a lot, I mean, defensive metrics in general are always very shaky, and UZR of one fifty is by no means perfect, but mm-hmm. there's at least some cause to say he's a better defender than he gets credit for. Um, whether or not he actually was snubbed, probably not. But um, in general, I think, yeah, they made the right picks.
2: Yeah, the Gold Gloves are such a popularity contest. You brought up Yadi or Molina being, uh, you know, one of them, and he's still a good defensive catcher and probably um, at least worthy of the conversation of the best catcher in the National League. But uh, in so many ways, Wilson Contreras is better. In other ways, uh, like framing, as you guys mentioned, um, Yadi or Molina is is better than Contreras. I guess it just really depends on what you're looking at with him specifically. Uh, it's been somewhat of a mixed bag because of that that framing issue and you know how it it seems to be somewhat split uh, among at least voters uh, the writers who vote or the managers or the people who vote on these these types of awards about how important framing is to a catcher in general There's some people who believe it's like by far head and shoulders above every other defensive skill for a catcher and other others believe it's you know, anywhere from not important at all to only moderately important. So I can understand why Contreras isn't in there uh, because I'm sure there are a lot of people who have those concerns Uh, as far as the rest of the list. Like one of the other people that I thought was notable that was not included was uh, Harrison Bader, the center fielder for the Cardinals, not on the center field list. There were good center fielders on there, but he was at least as good as every one of them, uh, probably better uh, than some of them. So, um, there's a snub. It, it's just a popularity contest. I mean, I, I I, don't feel like you could have watched Jason Hayward all year this year and, and not come away with the feeling that his defense was not as good as it has been in recent years. So, you know, the fact that he's on that list is um, fairly reputation oriented. Uh, Baez deserved to be there, but you, you have all these other kind of reputation guys and and they get on the list that way and so i try not to put too much stock in in this stuff for that reason and and Hendricks, as you mentioned is a guy who probably deserved mention for the 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 um gold glove award for a pitcher
1: yeah for those who did not see the listing for uh, the finals for first base it was joey Votto, uh freddie freeman and of course Rizzo. um for second base it was dj mayhew colton wong and of course Baez. and then for right field it was john jay uh of course hayward and then i'm trying i'm pulling it up here on the other person i think it was nick marcakis yeah nick marcakis was listed there and then for catchers it was um of course yadi or molina um i believe buster posey and i think the last one was manny Pena from milwaukee so i mean like it's hard to argue any of those guys listed there probably don't deserve a gold glove i would say john jay was kind of the one that surprised me i didn't realize how good he was defensive this year until i took a look um he had a good defensive year for the Cubs in 2017 too. So uh, I thought it was interesting you brought up Kyle Schwarber. I saw a lot of people making comments about Schwarber. Um, I, a lot of it was like more of just kind of like joking around saying Schwarber should be considered for that. But, you know, he definitely improved. I don't know if I would say it's gold glove caliber, but he had plenty of putouts, and, I mean, looked like a comp, you know, uh, at least a guy you could trust in left field as opposed to what we've seen a couple of years ago. So, um before we roll to the second segment, I figured we talk about this just a little bit more. Um, Contreras kind of missing this ballot. I mean, is that, does that, I mean, does it, do you feel like, I mean, clearly when you look at all of the defensive stats, like Contreras is better at just about everything that all three of those guys are listed there outside of framing. Is this kind of like a shift towards, I guess, Rawlings or baseball itself paying more attention to framing or is this kind of just, more of like, well, Machado or not Machado, uh, Molina and Posey have to be there. We'll put another guy who maybe is willing or deserves it. It's just kind of more of that, or is it? You know, or is baseball really paying more attention to framing than it has in past?
0: I think it's definitely the latter. Um, like Ryan said, I think a lot of it is based on it's, it's so much a popularity thing because I think you know Ryan's point about Jason Hayward was a, is a very good one. Um, because we did see some things for him that are, that were uncharacteristic this past season. So I I honestly think it's the latter. I don't know that they are the people that, that vote on those awards are paying that much attention to something as nuanced as framing. And yeah, I think it's a lot of Molina Posey. They know the guys they want to put in. um, And I think it's as simple as that.
2: Yeah. I mean the Molina and Posey are your classic most obvious catchers in the National League guys who have been around forever Um uh, Molina you know what two World Series rings and has that reputation of that he's going to be a he's a future Hall of Famer and then Posey all the World Series rings uh, I think he has an MVP right so the, these are guys known for their defensive ability and they're going to be there no matter what I just looked up Manny Pena it looks like he had 19 defensive runs saved uh, as oh, a catcher yeah. this year and I don't Think he played? He played in 98 games. So apparently he's a really, really quality defensive catcher. And I have just I didn't pay that much attention to him at any point in the past, so uh, I didn't realize that. So I, I guess all three of them, you could say there's a reason why they're there, uh, and it makes sense. And I think it is also part a shift to the the framing statistics, um, and and having those be a little bit more out there and more people buying in on that as as the major thing with catchers so I I think it's beyond this issue of him not making that ballot for the final three I I think it's a bigger conversation point going into the offseason about you know how much of a make or break 2019 is for Contreras with the Cubs as far as his uh, growth as uh, a defensive catcher framing pitches and also his growth at the plate
1: is that something you think you can get better at? Or is that like an innate thing? Like I, I never know but framing. I feel like you either have a feel for it or you don't sometimes. But is that like something you actually can get better at?
2: I think you can. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Weird. Um, but yeah, cups potentially three gold gloves. That'd be nice. I would assume Hayward's probably a shoe winner. Any of these guys, like, do we think Baez and Rizzo have a chance of winning this? Is this like legitimately a chance for Baez to actually get a gold glove? Or is this kind of just like, well, we probably should include him in the conversation at this point. I
0: I mean maybe this is too homerish of me and maybe based on having seen him so much but I would be genuinely surprised if Bias doesn't get it.
2: Yeah, I, I um, feel the same way.
0: Yeah, I Rizzo, I think anybody who watches Rizzo with consistency appreciates how good he is on defense. That's yeah, true. Um, but I don't know, you know, you know if you're not somebody that watches Rizzo a lot, I don't know that you would pick up on how good he is. Um but to me, Baez, that should be like a slam dunk.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. And that, that's honestly how I felt the last couple of years. I mean, clearly Baez makes plays that no one else can sometimes. Um, it's probably a toss-up between him and Colton Wong because Colton Wong had a really good season this year too. I think he led all second basemen in defensive runs safe. So I guess good conversation. At the end of the day, it's more or less just talking points for fan bases to yell at one another. So, you know, not a whole lot of stock.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's – there's more to, it. I mean, Colton Wong, I don't feel like is as good at second base as Baez is. And, and like Jarrett said, maybe that's a, a little bit of the, you know, the fact that I watch the Cubs way more than any other team. And mm-hmm. I, I watch the Cardinals a decent amount too, but um, I, I just don't feel like Wong is is quite the, the, the athlete that Baez is at second base. So I, I would be surprised if anyone comes away with it other than Baez. And for that second reason, about it being a popularity contest. Baez was so popular this year among yeah. not just Cub fans, but all of baseball, you know, watching his highlights and, you know, really outside of the fandom for the first time, people talking about Javier Baez is probably the most exciting baseball player to watch. And that that wasn't just uh, entirely Cub fan hubris in 2018. There were other people outside the fan base that actually talked about it as a legitimate thing. So, uh, it's, with the popularity contest, part part of it being there, I would say that would surprise me if if anybody else came away with it, but Baez. But with Rizzo, uh, he's a good defensive first baseman. He's won a Gold Glove before, so it wouldn't shock me if he comes away with it. I feel like the the big snubbed name here is Paul Goldschmidt, who probably is the best defensive first baseman in, yeah, in the National. I I was a little surprised that he wasn't on that list, but you know, again, Freeman, big breakout season, really great year, Braves you know, up in the standings. So, you know, he gets the nod over Goldschmidt, I guess.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Well, we're going to take a quick break here as we come back from this uh, first segment into the second segment, we'll kind of talk a little more about Bryce Harper and apparently how he's already a Chicago Cub, even though free agency hasn't started. All right, so for those of you who did not see the news, I don't know how you missed it at this point. It was plastered all all over every big major news source. Uh, Bruce Levine from 670 The Score uh, put out an article kind of talking about Bryce Harper and his likelihood of coming to Chicago. It seems like it's, you know, for most fans, I feel like just connecting the random, like, dots of him wearing, like, a bull's head, his dog being named Wrigley, being best friends with Chris Bryan, all sorts of stuff like that. It just seems like they've already assumed Bryce Harper is a cub just like how a lot of people assumed Alex Cobb was a Cub for like a week and I, or like was it like three weeks or something like that last off season. Um, but clearly there's a lot more stock behind Harper. He's one of the best players in baseball. Adding him to this roster would be huge. I guess what did you guys make of this news? Is this actually news or is this kind of like what we're all kind of expecting at this point? You, start, you can go ahead and first Jared.
0: Um, well, it's interesting because it, it feels like non-news while at the same time I think it is legitimately news and I, and the reason I think that is because Bruce Levine is a pretty well-connected guy. Yeah. Um, and so if he, if he's putting that out there, it means something. He's talked to somebody, he's hearing things from someone. Um, Cause I've spent enough time around him to watch how much he works his phone. Um, he is in pretty constant contact with, with different people. Um, and I know he's got a direct line to Scott Boris. So um Yeah, if Levine's putting it out there, there's something. Uh, But at the same time, like I said, it feels like non-news because even without Levine reporting it, it's the outcome that I think everyone has just sort of been expecting for a long time. Um, And, you know, like you pointed out, there's a lot of little reasons for that that we look to. But ultimately, I think for Harper, it's going to come down to he wants to make, justifiably wants to get a big contract. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to get that no matter where he goes. Um, but I think for Harper, the frustration of not being successful in Washington in the postseason—that that's something I, I think is going to motivate a guy like him as well. And so he's going to look for the opportunity where he can he can have some postseason success because he's a generational talent. But he's also, you know, to some extent, you're judged by what you do in the postseason um so if your postseason legacy is confined to a couple of first round exits that's just that's not what you want um so ultimately makes a lot of sense for him to come to the cubs but again if Levine's putting it out there there's there's something
2: yeah a couple couple things i wanted to to say about uh, all of the what you just said I, i just wanted to play devil's advocate and look at it from the other side although i generally agree with most of what you said um the devil's advocate of it is that bruce levine really is tied in and he does have that direct line to boris and you know we've we've seen bruce with his gigantic font on his phone just constantly texting a million people and (laughs) (laughs) with with boris i mean that there is an obvious reason to want to get that message out there that that the cubs are extremely interested and um, you know, paint a picture like, um, for the other teams, like, man, it really does look like Harper wants to go to Chicago. If, if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals and just as an example, I don't think the Cardinals necessarily are going, uh, balls to the wall for Harper, but if they, if they really wanted him, they'd know that they really have to come in and, and blow him away to get him away from the Cubs. So it really plays into his and Scott Boris's hands to get to, for this to be out there that way. So that's my devil's advocate look on, on how, true it necessarily is that Harper to the Cubs is this like big inevitable. That's where he, you know, is dying to be. And, and from the other angle of it, Harper. So, so Mike Trout is the unquestioned Lord and master of major league baseball, but Bryce Harper, he, it's kind of starting to feel like he's the LeBron of baseball uh, in that he had ha, early, very early on. He was you know, very similar. This young kid straight to the pros Straight to Major League Baseball, like LeBron was straight to the pros out of high school. He had this attitude, and there, people were split on him. Like some people loved him because of the talent, other people loved him or hated him because of his personality. And now it feels like he might do to Cleveland what LeBron initially did was, bounce because he couldn't win there, and then go, you know, sign in a place like Chicago with the Cubs, with a team that's already built to win, and then just kind of coattails his way to uh, a championship kind of like the way the LeBron really rode with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh to championships you know he would kind of have to sign with Chris Bryant so I don't know it's a really interesting thought to me you know how some people might view it the way people viewed LeBron's championships in Miami as kind of like yeah they count but you know was he really able to carry himself there or did he have to uh, find a situation already pre-made for a championship
1: that's a good point. Yeah. I, I didn't even think of the comparison between Harper and LeBron, but I, I mean, it definitely plays. Um, I guess, you know, some people, the people it's surprising to me, I think how many fans don't want Bryce Harper. And I think a lot of it has to do with like the attitude, like you talked about and people say something like he strikes out too much, which, you know, if you've, have you seen the Chicago Cubs play baseball? Um, <laughs> I, you know, like what what a dumb reason, but um, I, I've seen people kind of talk about the luxury tax. I know Tony put out an article today, Tony and Drackey on NBC kind of, debunking some of that and going through what the luxury tax is, but it seems like no matter what really happens, the Cubs are going to probably be over the tax anyways, with just with the arbitration deals that are going to be coming through with like, I think it's like Schwarber, Baez, a couple of those guys are on, they're going to be in their first year arbitration and look to spend some money. Uh, Chris Bryant will get paid more. If Addison Russell does continue his tenure with the Chicago Cubs, whatever. we'll see what happens with that. He'll probably get paid a little bit more, maybe close to the same. Who, who knows? But does, does the money really matter? Like are the Cubs seriously worried about going over the luxury tax? That's
0: I, it's, it is a weird thing to see fans so concerned about the money that the team is spending because the team is not, they are not going to spend that money unless they feel comfortable spending that money. Um, if they make the decision that they are fine with going over the luxury tax, then what on earth does it matter to me? um, right so it's a strange it's a strange angle i think to take like who cares if they're over the luxury packs if they don't care why should i um and and i understand like the the comments about his attitude but honestly i think the cubs could benefit from a little bit of an edge um sure they're such a like chill laid back (laughs) group and a lot of that is you know that's madden and that's kind of his you know the the clubhouse culture that he cultivates and even with you know some of the the personalities that he's had that that have come through the cubs in the last couple years it's still this very kind of chill um clubhouse and so maybe somebody who you know can play the villain to some other teams Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing that that might actually be a good thing so i'll take a little bit of that attitude because you know when it when the team needs a kick in the ass they need somebody to do it
2: yeah the i when you were describing him i was thinking of uh reggie uh, reggie jackson with the uh straw that stirs the drink comments mm-hmm. about, you know how he was a very different fit in uh the yankees clubhouse and then of course they won championships with him but uh, i don't feel like it would necessarily be exactly the same because i feel like the the cubs would be very welcoming of, of harper but, yeah, I can definitely see how maybe a little bit of an attitude shift or at least a little bit of, um, not necessarily division in the clubhouse, but kind of like, you know, that that guy that gets angry about the losses and is vocal about it or, um, you know, speaks his mind a little bit more freely than a lot of those guys tend to do. I feel like that would be good for them. You're right. They do have a lot of really laid back personalities and guys who are sort of bland uh in the way that they speak to the media which you know is the their way of speaking to the fans directly there's there's a lot of a lot of vanilla in that clubhouse uh, for better or for worse so yeah i think i think uh spiking things a little bit up with with harper would be good for them in that sense as well
1: just for interview purposes alone it'd be pretty funny to get Kyle Hendricks take on something and then go right to Bryce Harper shortly after just to get the complete uh, two sides of the argument there really, or the, I guess the, the hot takes or whatever. Um, yeah. The other thing we were talking about before we, before we got on the show is of course uh, NBC sports, Dave Kaplan. They, they put out a Cubs talk podcast, kind of talking about, you know, bold predictions or what have you. And, and Kaplan put out something really weird saying that the Cubs wouldn't even consider talking to either Bryce Harper or Manny Machado and, I mean that just seems ridiculous. And Ryan, you had some strong words for this. What do you uh, What you got for us?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I have a lot of respect for David Kaplan and how hard he works. I want to get that out there right away. So this isn't this isn't any animosity towards him. But
1: also, at one point, worked for NBC Sports. So clearly, yeah, working yeah. relationships with them.
2: <laughs> on, uh, either at one point or ongoing, depending on how next year goes. But yeah, so yeah. it it kind of makes me wonder. Uh, who he's hearing that from, um, yeah. because the, the way you said it, like it was a prediction thing, but he was very certain about it. And he was saying it as if it's something that he is aware of. And the, whether you know it's true or not, the uh, the popular theory is that um, David Kaplan's major source within the Cubs is Crane Kenny. And Crane Kenny knows a lot about the business side. He doesn't know a whole lot anymore about the baseball side of things. So, there seems to be this sort of like division about, you know, like whether Theo Epstein would be interested in bringing in Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. And I feel like he, they definitely are going to look into that, but maybe on the business side, Kaplan's hearing that they don't, they aren't planning to spend that kind of money unless they at least subtract uh, some off, off the roster as well. That's just me kind of theorizing about where that could go. But to say that, You know, the fact that uh, definitely not going to even look into that, I don't think that's true at all. I think the Cubs look into everything, uh, every possible scenario. Uh, And Theo Epstein has even said in the past, he said last offseason, where he alluded to the Harper free agency and said that, you know, when those generational talents come around and there's interest on both sides, you have to see it through. I can't imagine that he would go into this offseason saying, despite all the things Harper has hinted at in the past, despite his relationship with Chris Bryant, despite all the kind of rumored reports that he really wants to play for the Cubs, we're just not going to talk to him. I don't see how that
1: happens. Yeah, I I, I don't get that either. Uh, Jared, what are your your thoughts on this?
0: Well, a lot of it is it's just hard for them to, hard to envision where they would not even entertain the possibility. That's the part of it that I have the biggest issue with because like Ryan pointed out, they're gonna look into any possibility, no matter who it is. Um, if you think somebody might be a good fit, you're gonna at least explore it. Um, so to suggest that they won't even consider either of these players is is a strange thing to say um, because it just doesn't fit with how I think any big market team operates. If you've got the money, um, you look into anybody. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's odd and just like Ryan, I have a ton of respect for Kaplan. Um, and so this isn't about like disparaging him as a person or anything like that, but I just sure. think it's very, very odd, um, odd claim to make. And even if they don't sign either player, I still don't think it would be true that they would have not even considered either player.
2: And I, I think there's, there's an interesting point that needs to be made about last off season nobody went in the off season thinking the Cubs were going after you Darvish that ended up being kind of a, an after the market settled kind of thing, the Cubs realized there was interest on both sides and that maybe the money wasn't going to be as much as they thought uh, initially. And it kind of pushed them into a range where they were interested in Darvish. Now that's not a perfect correlation to the Harper situation because I feel like the interest should be there no matter what, but right. um to the other point that I made that's really just me hypothesizing or, or trying to make sense of why David Kaplan's report would be that they're not interested based on the fact that we know he has ties to the business side of the Cubs, it makes me wonder what the internal conversations have been about what the budget's going to be for next year uh, or whether they would be willing to take on that sort of long-term contract for, let's say, 10 years, $300 million. Um, it makes me wonder if if they would basically need to sub- start subtracting salaries based on what the budget projection is and and Jason Hayward's an obvious one he's making you know uh, basically 100 and like 106 million over the next 5 years that would be an obvious one to try and move off the books i'm curious if that's something that is basically a if we do sign harper it it kind of has to mean Hay- hayward being sent somewhere else
1: yeah, that's a good point, and you know we talked about like what the year Jason Hayward was a free agent that we signed him. Uh, the talk like a lot, even like for years up until that point was that the Cubs like clearly like David Price made the most sense. He was the guy they were going to sign and make all these things work. And the Cubs pivoted and just went for Jason Hayward like out from the gates and signed Jason Hayward, and it just seemed kind of like maybe not. A super like random move, but it was not the move I think people expected. They all thought you know pitching was the was the clear need, and you know they just signed John Lester. They probably needed another arm instead. They go Jason Hayward, and hasn't necessarily worked out the way they hoped for. But I mean, the Cubs have a World Series, so I mean you never know. I mean just because there's talk and talk for you know essentially two and a half off seasons about one guy doesn't mean the Cubs are absolutely locked in on this one guy. So you never really know. Um, For what it's worth, uh, not including Brandon Kinsler, the Cubs current salary as constructed would be like, I think it's just under $208 million for 2019.
2: Uh, With projected arbitration raises and all other little
1: exactly, yeah, 500,000 salaries and all that.
2: Yeah, that, that sounds about right. Um, and, it, and I'm not saying by no means take away from this that I think that they should be limiting their budget. I think they should be spend, spend, spending. But I am curious um, about Kaplan's sources and, and what they may be saying about what the budget could be like.
1: That's true. The Cubs clearly have a a pending TV deal they're trying to figure out as well. So there's a bunch of things going on. Um, It is worth noting too. I think the second checkpoint for arbitrations. I think it's 236 or 237 million. So if the Cubs were to essentially stay where they're at right now with this roster, they would still have. I mean, unless Bryce Harper is going to be making 40 million a year, they would still be (laughs) under. So I mean, you know, who knows? But I don't know. Any uh, any last thoughts here, Joe? Before we move to that last segment um
0: not really because i think yeah i i think it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out yeah um because you're right like we don't really know um so let's just as soon as the world series is over buckle
1: up yeah literally i guess uh before we move over quickly if you guys had to pick between harper and machado who would you take it's a tough one right Uh,
0: (laughs) yeah is there well ryan and i have actually talked about this yeah we have we did and we i we both i feel like if i remember correctly maybe talked ourselves into machado
2: yeah i know i know i talked myself into machado making sense but it was kind of that like fantasy trade kind of thing yeah it's like well if you just move this guy to here and this guy to there and then these guys get sent here uh it makes total sense if uh if machado is willing to play third base yada 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 and uh, yeah, I, I think it he is the better fit if all those like dominoes can fall the right way. And I think it was you have to move Chris Bryant to left field full time. You have to trade probably both Ian Happ and Kyle Schwarber, or just Schwarber and maybe Almora. Uh, and then you know you have Hayward uh, as the other outfielder, and and maybe you sign a guy like John Jay or someone like that as just a bench outfielder who's a a veteran bat. And then Machado at third, Baez at short, uh, fire Addison Russell out of a cannon into the sun, and then you've got <laughs> Zobrist at second base splitting time with Bodie. I think that was the, the gist yeah. of the conversation and why it made sense that way. If they can pull all that off, I think Machado probably is the better fit. But uh, I think based on how they'll probably want to go about this, I think Harper might be the better fit.
0: Yeah, because there's a lot of moving parts to that Machado scenario. Um, a lot of other things that you'd have to be able to, to orchestrate for, for that to work out the best. So yeah, I think it's probably Harper.
1: All right, we're going to take one quick last break here before we go to the third and final segment. We'll talk about some obscure free agents we'd like to see play for the Cubs in 2019. Okay. So, uh, you know, we talked about the Manny Machados. We've talked about the Bryce Harper as a free agency, of course, you know, impending just in a couple of days, likely in about a week, depending on when this World Series wraps up. Free agency will start. Winter meeting's coming sometime in December. Um, You know, everything's going to be essentially surrounded around Bryce Harper or Manny Machado and where they're going. But I figure we can kind of point at some of the guys that might need to fill in spots behind them. If the Cubs do actually acquire one of these guys, they're going to try and at their very best to stay below that threshold for the second tier of, you know, arbitrary or not arbitration, the luxury tax. So what are, I guess from each of us, what are one or maybe if you have multiple free agent guy that you think could plug right into the Cubs and makes a ton of sense that not a ton of people maybe are talking about, or maybe they are, who knows? You can go ahead first, Jared, if you're ready. Um,
0: yeah. So there is, I know one, one name that has come up a little bit more recently is Marwin Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Um I think he's a he's a great option for a lot of reasons because he defensively he's very flexible he plays pretty much everywhere. Um he you know makes a lot of hard contact. Um so you know you can get good at bats from him. Um he if you look at his 2017 season he it was kind of, it seems like kind of an anomaly cuz he had like a an OPS over 900 but his career average is right around like 730. Which even that is is pretty pretty doable, um, and can hit for a decent amount of power as well. So I think Marwin Gonzalez is uh, is an intriguing option, Uh, but another one that I I had somebody else mention this a while back, and at at first I was kind of like it wasn't somebody I would have thought of. But the more I've thought about it, looked into it, the more I like Adrian Beltray as a possibility. Oh, so he's obviously he's going to be 40. Um, so there is that, but there's a couple of reasons why I like belt trade. Number one, like I mentioned earlier, uh, the opportunity to inject a little personality. Um, and I, and it, I don't want to sound like, you know, the Cubs aren't like boring by any means because they've got bias, but you mm. know, somebody with, with some, some fire and some personality, I think there's, there's something to that. There's something that, worthwhile there um performance wise like he you know you can plug him in at at third base as you need to um obviously he's not going to be somebody that plays a whole lot but a nice pinch hitting option Play third base every so often he also can still hit for a decent amount of power does not strike out a lot um which i like and there is something to be said for the fact that he and despite his very long career has played in the world series once but did not did not win it so it you know do you get a little extra motivation when you get you know the 40 year old adrian beltray on the roster who's never won a world series and let's you know let's go out there and do it for him um you know how much of a difference that actually makes i don't know but it's fun to think about so um either one of those guys but i think if i had to pick between the two uh, bring me Adrian Beltray.
2: Uh, those are those are both good picks. Uh, Beltray definitely is one that I hadn't even considered. So I like the idea of you know like maybe I need to look into that a little bit more uh, and see if like I I hadn't even seen I just kind of assumed he was retiring, but I didn't. I don't know if I ever saw it officially that he was retiring. So
0: yeah, there's still uh, like he has not officially retired, but he might still. So that that may negate all of this. But if he doesn't worth looking at.
2: Yeah. um, Mine is kind of like one of those predicated on the fact that they make moves. uh, If you were to sign Harper and then move, let's say, Schwarber and Ian Happ, then you've got Hayward in center field, maybe splitting time with Albert Almora, if that would make sense. But then you also then would have, you know, Brian at third, Baez at short, probably Zobrist at second base for the most part. Then you'd have uh, an open spot in left field uh, if you are essentially want, committing to Hayward and, and Elmora splitting time. So I had mentioned John Jay as a veteran bat to add to that group, but I think a better option that the Cubs really should look at would be Nick Marcakis, and he could fit uh, a lot of what they need, especially at the leadoff spot. Uh, he's really He doesn't hit for a lot of power. Uh, I think he hit over 40 doubles this year, which might be for the first time in like a really long time for him. Um, But he doesn't hit a lot of home runs. He's not particularly fast. He doesn't steal bases. He doesn't hit like a ton of triples, but he gets on base. Uh, I think he has like a 360 on base over the last several years combined. Um, Just a a good hitter. I think he hit 297 this year. He collects hits uh, at at a ridiculous rate. I think better than the average fan realizes he has – Uh, over 2,200 hits in his career. So um, there's an outside shot. He's going to be 35 next year, but if he played five more years uh, and collected 160 hits a year, he'd go past 3,000. So um, Mark that's a guy that I think, if the Cubs make some moves with their roster, would make sense as a maybe, if not everyday outfielder, but a guy who plays most days um, could play left field for you. Uh, with Harper and Wright and Hayward slash Almora in center, and maybe Almora takes some of the the time from Marquez as well. So, um, that's a guy that I think would be a really good fit if you move Schwarber and Happ.
1: Okay, I like I like all those actually. I'm very interested in Adrian Beltre just because I mean it would be hilarious to watch him on the same team as Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras. Those guys just goofing around be a ton of fun. Um, if I had to pick, I've been flipping between some of these guys here, literally as we're on the show here. Um, I think the guy I, I would like to see the most on the Cubs would be someone like Jed Lowry. Yeah. I think he's an interesting guy. He's had a really good season, clearly. Um, I think he'll be a hot commodity just because he had arguably his best season ever You know, at age 34, and you know it's kind of tough to figure out what he'll be, but clearly up for a gold glove. He hit a career-high 23 home runs if he can give you at least a portion of that and play solid defense, if the Cubs do decide they need to keep, they decide they want to keep, I guess, Addison Russell, having Jed Lowry on your team at the beginning of the year would definitely help maybe supplement some of the at least defensively. It helps and whatever he brings offensively should be pretty solid. Um, I like him. And then uh, Martin Maldonado is another guy I'm interested by. I think he'd be a solid backup catcher. Um, I think he could fit his bat does a little something sometimes, you know, I mean, He's nothing fantastic, but I feel like as a backup catcher, that'd be nice. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing someone in like Jonathan Lucroy too. That's an interesting guy, too. He's kind of had some pretty bad seasons these last couple years. He pretty much had an awesome season that his last year with Milwaukee, and then since then it's just kind of collectively gotten a lot worse. Um, But (laughs) I like those guys. I think those are kind of my picks. If I had to pick, I would say Jed Lowry is probably the guy I'd like to see the most.
2: Yeah, those are those are good picks too. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talk about Maldonado. I've seen people talk about Lowry. I I I feel like those guys are, you you know, maybe not like you know, likely isn't the right word, but they're they should be high up on the list. Uh, As far as like a backup catcher, I could see the Cubs going back to Rene Rivera, who played it on the team in twenty seventeen, had an injury filled twenty eighteen. He's going to be thirty five years old. Uh, probably won't cost more than maybe like two million dollars. Might even come on like a minor league contract. So, uh, that's a guy who uh, is a a decent backup catcher for a guy like Contreras. Um, that that could be a, a really good fit in this team, especially you know being a, a Puerto Rico guy. A fitting in that clubhouse would be a, you know a, a really easy transition, um, especially because he's a guy that they've had before, and I think that that most of them liked him.
1: Yeah. So, um, any other last-second toss-ins you just want to throw out there before we uh, we wrap up the show?
2: Hmm. I don't know, Jared. Do you have any uh, any big declarations that you want to make for for everybody?
0: I I think that the Cubs should uh, sign everybody and and be good next year and hmm. win all their games.
1: I don't know about that. Yeah. That seems kind of risky. <laughs> my
2: my big declaration is that. I I believe that the Cubs should also sign everybody. They should sign Harper. They should sign a backup catcher. They they should sign probably two relievers. Adam Adovino is a guy that we haven't even talked about. I feel like he should be high on their list. I think they need to stack their bullpen with with quality relievers and sign Harper, make a few moves. Maybe they get guys for their bullpen by trading guys like Schwarber and Hap, uh, which if you had said trading those guys for – relievers as recent as last year I think people would have you know clutched their pearls about it but with the way bullpen usage has changed I think that's that could be a smart move Uh, so that that's my big declaration do all that stuff and win 100 plus games next year because at least it looks like you're going to have what, three years in a row that the team with the most wins in baseball or like at least 104 or 103 wins, they're going to be your World Series champions. So um, maybe that's that's the best way to do it now is try and figure out a way to win like 105 games next season.
1: Yeah,
0: no sweat.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. If the Cubs want to do all that, I'm cool. That that's that would be my takeaway. <laughs> I mean, do yeah. what you want to do, guys. But, you know.
2: We saw how, how well winning 95 games worked out for them this season.
1: Yeah, God they needed one more just one more
2: then they could have been swept in the nlds
0: yeah (laughs) by the brewers it would have been great
2: yeah it
1: was was still worth going to the game that we saw rizzo pitched i'll still i say it's worth it um (laughs) that was of course jared willis uh you can follow jared at j willis which is w-y-l-l-y-s um Jared's writing for Sporting News, NBC Sports Chicago, Chicago Mag, kind of all over. Um, And then Ryan as well, uh, writes for NBC Sports Chicago, has done stuff for Sporting News, The Athletic, Bet Chicago, and then he has his own uh, Cloud City Chronicle podcast he does. And then you're also doing some high school sports too as well, Ryan, right?
2: Yeah, uh, football playoffs. I'm I'm doing a football playoff game next week uh, here in Springfield doing the Chatham-Glenwood game, uh, which is a lot of fun. I've been doing football for my local newspaper all season and then... Last year I did basketball too, so I'm sure that in the in the in the winter I'll be spending my Friday nights uh, sitting at the the press row of uh, some
1: basketball courts. Of course, and then you can find Ryan, of course, at Ryan Q Davis, and then uh, any other. Did you want to shout out Mark Hamill? I know you guys are friends now, right?
2: yes mark mark and i are best friends for a very short period of time something i tweeted at him and his response was his pinned tweet on his twitter account so i can always have that took a screenshot of that on my phone yeah Uh, i
1: would have have done the same
2: uh, (laughs) i i have the uh the glory of having asked a uh an innocent question tongue-in-cheek just as kind of a joke and drummed up a whole lot of uh, Last Jedi hatred <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> so that was that was cool. I, I tweeted at him. I was watching Empire Strikes Back. We're going way into Star Wars now, but which is perfect for a Cubs podcast. Uh, I was watching Empire Strikes Back and how he was struggling to lift his X-Wing out of the water. And then I remembered that he buried his X-Wing in the water uh, in The Last Jedi. And I thought, wouldn't it be funny if he actually intended to leave after the Yoda scene, but then realized he still couldn't lift his X-Wing out of the water?
0: he's stuck
2: yeah it was just a total (laughs) joke and so mark hamill took it took it very seriously and was like uh more importantly what do you think people need to stop asking my opinion on all this stuff and just like it was i was just joking but whatever yeah Uh, thanks for responding and then it was just like uh, a cavalcade of star wars fans well actuallying me about the fact that he had used part of his x-wing for the door to his little hut and the fact that you know oh, gosh. he's strong enough to project his image across the galaxy he's strong enough to lift his x-wing and i'm just like
1: i feel like this was pretty obvious just a joke right yeah we're applying physics to star wars right now I really yeah it's like oh
2: <laughs> it was a joke stop it leave me alone
1: well Thanks for tuning into Locked on Cubs, guys. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Cubs. Listen to us on pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts, Apple, uh, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you can find podcasts, you'll be able to find Locked on Cubs. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, go Cubs.